Tonight in the Hockey Talk Time Machine, we're excited to welcome one half of one of the most popular duos in country music history. His debut solo album is set to be released this week. From Montgomery Gentry, Eddie Montgomery is the Honky Tonk Time Machine's newest member. Eddie, I've been looking forward to this one. I'm a big fan. Thanks for coming on. Oh, uh, man, I tell you what, we appreciate it, man. Of course, we don't call nobody fans. We call them friends. So, uh, you know, thank God, man, that, uh, that our friends have had our backs ever since we come out with tattoos and stars in 97. So That was a hell of an album, and Eddie Montgomery just called me friends. So you just made my day, sir. <laughs> Well, and we're going to get into Tattoos and Scars and all those songs that made Montgomery Gentry who they are. Um, but I do want to start with Ain't No Closing Me Down because this is exciting. 12-track solo debut album digitally will be released on January 28th, and you wrote eight of the 12 songs on the album. Tell me about this project. I'm sure you're excited about it. Uh, I'm telling you, man, uh, you know, uh, when uh, all the COVID and everything hit and they, they shut us all down, they shut the bars down and the restaurants down, well, I got a pretty good-sized garage, you know, and I'm a, I'm a bar fly, man, and I uh, grew up in the honky-tonks and bars, and, of course, T-Roy's dad uh, owned, a, owned a bar, and so I was in the garage, and I got a bunch of grills and uh, started grilling out. Next thing I know, I had TVs hanging on the wall. I backed my truck out in the yard, put a big refrigerator in there, and ended up with a dartboard and a disco ball. So, you know, it's a, and I was like, you know what? Next thing I had was a bunch of friends coming over and hanging out. It's just that's how I come up with the song, Ain't No Closing Me. If you like the honky-tonk, this album's for you, I guess. Yeah, it's honky-tonk, man. Most of it is, you know. Uh, 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 it's been, uh, it was awesome writing the CD and uh, also, man, getting, uh, of course, you know, our band's been with Dan T-Roy for, you know, over 20 years, so I put them in the studio, man. I told them, I was like, I said, you know, I kept telling the producers and anybody that knows anything about Nashville, when you go uh, to Nashville with your band, the first thing they do is go like, well, you can't use your band in the studio. you got to have studio musicians. So this time uh, I know that uh, our guys, man, know that uh, they've worked their butt off. So uh, I was like, well, if they can't come in and do it, then I'll take care of it, and we'll bring session players in. So everybody on the, everybody played on the albums, my band. And that band's the Wild Bunch, right? That's the Wild Bunch, baby. I'm yep. telling you. Good group of guys there. And, and I tell you what, you – you have some awesome songs on this project, and the one that was sent to us that I've been listening to on repeat is the uh, the duet with Tanya Tucker, Higher, uh, which is a, a really cool take on, on a love song. I, I've loved it. I've been listening to it all morning. Well, I tell you, man, uh, you know, she is a icon. She is, I mean, she's the girl, boys. I tell you what, I, and I don't care right now, but she's, when she sung that song, I'm telling you, I'll put her up against Anybody right now, you mentioned Diana Ross, you mentioned anybody, let me tell you, Merle Haggard, I don't care who it is, she's right there with them, man. And I tell you what, when she hits that mic, you better have your you better have your hand on the not volume control because she's going to blow the speakers <laughs> from, out of the, from out of the high studio. Was, was she who you had in mind when, when you got this song, or, or how, how did it kind of come about that Tanya sang with you on it? Well, my producer was doing some stuff with her, and I've known Tanya for quite some time. And, uh, uh, you know, when opportunity came up, man, was like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice. I'm there. I mean, who wouldn't jump at the chance to sing with Tanya Tucker? But that's just one of 12 really cool songs on this album, Eddie, and a couple more I wanted to talk about. 
My Son, which is going to be uh, in a new theatrical film starring Tim Blake Nelson called Old Henry. But I know this one is, is one that, that is near and dear to your heart. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, I've been uh, my life, you know, and that's why they call it life, man, because uh, it throws a lot of things at you sometimes, man. And uh, you still, I'm, I'm still standing, man. And I so, you know, about all my boys and stuff that I wrote about and uh, when I started writing it and uh, – it was funny because uh, the, the movie's called Old Henry, and uh, I said, "Well, they asked me when I if I'd write it." And I said, "Yeah, can I can I see the movie?" And they're like, "Well, we ain't got it filmed quite yet." And I said, "Well, I said, uh, can I see the script?" Of course, they brought the script to me, and uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I think it was I don't know how many thousands of pages, and I was like, "Well, I ain't gonna be able to read all this," <laughs> and so uh, I ended up they had a trailer, so I bet you I watched that trailer two hundred times, man, and then. I got to thinking about my boys and uh, what my granddaddy and my daddy said to me, and that's how I come up. And me and my producer wrote the song. You know, and I also wrote my first love song for my smoking hot wife, uh, which I never thought. I always told T. Roy, I was like, T. Roy, I ain't writing a love song, man. I ain't gonna do it. I ain't gonna sing one. <laughs> well, uh, on a solo project, I reckon, uh, you know, he was uh, looking down on me, going like, "Yeah, you are." <laughs> <laughs> and so, that- uh, that, that song is called She Just Loves Me, right? Yeah, She Just Loves Me. And uh, so I, I wrote that. And, you know, I, of course, you know, I don't write a whole lot of slow stuff anyway. I like to, you know, I like to keep it rocking pretty hard. But when I do, I want uh, I want to be able to say something. I like that. And when somebody of your caliber kind of changes gears like that, people listen. Like, oh, he's doing something different now. Okay. So. Definitely something to be looking out for on this new album. Ain't No Clothes Will Be Down. It's released digitally this Friday, which means you can download it wherever you download music, right, Eddie? That's right. You can pick it up anywhere you're down, and uh, you can also get it at Walmart and stuff. So uh, Walmart had the exclusive on it, which was uh, awesome, and uh, now it's all coming digitally. And so I'm uh, I'm all about that. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. And, you know, uh, there's what I tell everybody. Well, Get you a copy, and if you don't like it, you can always put it in your garden and run off animals and stuff. Or you can use it for target practice. Just yeah. get it. So if you're old school like me, you can go up and, and, and pick a hard copy of it right now at Walmart then. That'd be correct, and yes. If, if you don't want to wait till January 28th, I would encourage you to do so. It's called Ain't No Closing Me Down. Uh, we got Eddie Montgomery on with us tonight. And, uh, Eddie, you grew up in what I would call a, a musical family in Danville, Kentucky, about five hours east of here. So it just seemed like you were kind of destined to be a musician of some sort. Would I be right in saying that? Well, you know, I've always made a joke about it, man. My mom was a drummer. My dad was a guitar player. And the bartenders were our babysitters. <laughs> and, of course, for anybody that don't know it, John Boyers, everybody calls him John Michael Montgomery. He's my brother. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so, uh, you know, it uh, really was. By the time we was eight years old, uh, back in the days when our parents were playing uh, every night in the bars and honky tonks, they really that twenty one rule wasn't really a twenty one rule. <laughs> so you know we was carrying in. By the time we were eight, we were setting up my mom's drums, and we become roadies. And then by the time we were twelve, we was in the band. I read a quote from you that said that you were you hit your midlife crisis by the time you were eight. <laughs> I wanted you to kind of explain that. Was life just coming at you that fast? Ah, uh, you know what, man? I tell you what, we learned a lot about life in the in the bars. But I tell you, uh, there's a lot of things we did see, and a lot of things we probably shouldn't have seen. But uh, you know, it, uh, it was uh, it was wild, man. He's seen everybody, just everyday people coming in the bar, and hell, we we thought everybody lived that way. It was funny because 
when we uh, go to well, when we did go to school and stuff, you know, it was uh, we'd try to invite people over to the house, and of course, you know, having music musical uh, family members and stuff, and honky tonk bar people back then, they was going like, oh no, they're they're they playing them rough honky tonks. You ain't going over there. But uh, we loved life, man. We grew up around a lot of people that was a lot older than us. But uh, you know, we learned a lot of stuff, man, and we uh, we knew how to handle a lot of things by the time by the time we were adults. When you listen to Montgomery Gentry, you hear a lot of Southern rock influence. Would it be accurate to say that that's what shaped you into becoming the artist that you ultimately became? Ah, uh, you know, it really was, man. I love the, you know, the twin guitars. Of course, I got three guitar players in the band now. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, we grew up on that because I tell you right now, if you was to listen to, on the radio uh, today's country, Skinner would be country. Skinner to Molly Hatchet. Uh, Molly Hatchet might be just about that country, too. And I yeah. mean, Marshall Tucker, Marshall Tucker would be country. Charlie Daniels country. And so, you know, and I, it's, uh, I remember the first time I heard, uh, there's a stranger in my house by Ronnie Millsap. And I heard that, I heard that, you know, that fuzz, that rock and roll guitar in that country song. And I went, that's it right there. That's right there. And I reckon that's the first time that I reckon you heard really rock and roll guitar in a, in a song. Yeah, with a with a distortion box on it, and it was uh, Ronnie Millsap, and I'm like, man, that's what we need to do because you know uh, yeah, everybody wants to be you know you see the rock stars and all that, of course the Merle Haggards uh, and everybody, but uh, as soon as I opened my mouth, they said, boy, I don't care if you want to be rock and roll or what you want to be, you said your country, yeah. and so uh, that's the way we were. We put the band together, and. That's the way me and T was. Uh, anytime they called one of us, they called the other one. So we went, you know what? It, apparently it takes both of us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, that's that's the way it ended up. You know, John Boy was signed with Atlantic, and then Sony come looked at me and T, Roy, and we didn't want nobody knowing who we were or anything about it. And they come up and seen us, and uh, Columbia Sony said, you're exactly what we're hunting for, guys. Of course, you know, uh, we we was playing in the bars. They come to Lexington and seen us. We didn't go to Nashville, and so it was it was wild. I remember them coming up there, and uh, of course we were drinking on stage. You know we were honky tonk band, but the thing about it was we rehearsed every day, played every night. I mean that's and if you wanted to be in our band, we were going to play for real. It wouldn't to get a girlfriend or it wouldn't anything else. It was to play music for the rest of our life. How did you meet T-Roy? Did you grow up with him, or did he kind of come along a little bit later in your maybe teenage or young adult life? Uh, it was pretty much right out of out of school and stuff. And uh, this bar owner, we were playing in another little bar, uh, and, and it was, I ain't going to mention the name of it, but it was pretty rough. Uh, matter of fact, they asked you when you come in if you had a gun. If you didn't, they'd give you one. <laughs> but, uh, but we was playing, and uh, I went to this other bar owner, and... Uh, He's like, man, I'm looking for a band. And he said, I need something for happy hour. So I got my brother and T-Roy, and we went in and started uh, doing a happy hour, and we took over the band. We put the band, uh, me and John Boy had a band, and we put T-Roy in it, and we made up a new band. And that's how how that kind of come about. Of course, T-Roy's dad opened up the grapevine a year later, and T-Roy had to go over there and work. And thank God, because... Uh, Lloyd, his dad, he kept us fed all the time for free. <laughs> so, you know, 
we was we was loving life because hell, sometimes our bar tab was more than we made. Damn, Eddie! Of all the members of the Hockey Talk Time Machine, and we're getting close to a hundred now, you may just fit in here the most. Now, just so there's no confusion, so when we reference T. Roy, obviously that's your longtime partner, Troy Gentry, and then John Boy is your little brother, John Michael Montgomery. I know he just celebrated a birthday. He is younger than you, right? Big but he looks a lot older. Man, does he? <laughs> he he kind of hit it big before you and, and Troy did. How happy were you for for John Michael when when things started happening for him? Well, that's the way we wanted to do it because you know uh, between them two, all three of us, I, I was a low man on a totem pole. You know, them two boys out there were pretty, <laughs> and so all the women loved them, and all the guys hung around me. So. Uh, I was going to like, all right, we need to push John, boy. And so that's we we done that. And uh, after that, then it was our turn. So it always worked out good. They would sing love songs, and I'd sing the outlaw stuff. And so it kind of really worked out. That's how come we had such a good following. Yeah, it really did. It was it was a perfect combination, I think. Uh, some of those early iterations of the band, um, can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you had Early Times, Young Country, Deuce, and then Montgomery Gentry, and I think John Michael was a part of those early iterations, right? That's correct. It was, uh, it was the early times band, and uh, uh, you know, Young Country is John Michael and Young Country, or John Boy and Young Country, and then we become Deuce, and I ain't going to say what the label told us about that name. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they said it sounds too much like something else, yeah. and so y'all need to change your name. And so we got to running around in Nashville when we was cutting the album and stuff, and every time we'd go in, any bar we went in, or every time we'd come in the label, they'd go like, oh, God, here comes the Montgomery Gentry boys. Because, uh, you know, we was we was living life. We weren't going to let nobody tell us how to make our music. We actually fired our first producer, which was a big, big-time producer, and we said, man, he just don't get us. And the president of the label come in and said, boys, y'all know what y'all are talking about. He's like the number one producer in Nashville. I said, he don't get us. And so we wanted a little bit more of that edge, and we wanted to, you know, well, the first song we ever found when we was looking around when they were pitching songs, they couldn't figure us out. We even had them come look at us, and the guy pulled this song out. He said, well, here's a song, but it's way too tough for anybody to sing in the country. And it was Tattoos and Scars. We said, that's who we are right there. Yeah, that, that, and, so, and that's where, that's how everything started falling into place. They sure did. That first album, Tattoos and Scars, and the very first release off of it, Hillbilly Shoes, which kicks so much ass, by the way. One of the coolest songs I've ever heard. How did you come to record Hillbilly Shoes? Uh, we found that song about 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> we, was hanging out with the, we was hanging out with some guys, and we was hunting for songs. And so uh, the guys had actually wrote it for a movie, and... They wouldn't actually supposed to play it for us, and uh, they did at three 3.30 in the morning. And that's that. Well, if you're up at three thirty in the morning, you know uh, it was. We was we was running. We was listening to songs, and I once he played that song for us, and we went, "That's it. That's another one." So me and T. Roy, man, we always went hunting our own songs. We didn't. I bet you there ain't no telling. We probably listened to four thousand songs each album. I'm telling you. We would go, and it was so great, man. It's really so funny about the whole deal was that I'd hear a song if I was by myself, and I go, "No, this ain't me." But I'm telling you right now, T can sing the hell out of this song, and he would do the same thing. He brought he brought me Lucky Man. Oh, really? And so 
Yeah, and there's a little story on that because uh, Trace had it on hold too, but Troy found it. And I called Trace up. Trace said, yeah, you can have a song. I ain't cutting right now anyway. And, of course, the rest is history on that. But we always knew each other's, I reckon, how we sung and how we done songs together. And it was, uh, I don't know, it just worked out great. You know, it was just natural. Biggest hit off that first album was Lonely and Gone, which is another one of my favorite Montgomery Gentry songs. You sound great on it. Uh, it's a well-written song, and uh, it, it ended up going top five for you guys. What do you remember about Lonely and Gone, Eddie? <laughs> i tell you what. That was the coolest thing in the world, man, because down in Nashville, right there at the label, Sony, they put a street sign up that said, The Corner of Lonely and Gone. And, you know, I was like, well, man, T was taking pictures with it and there, everything. He was like, yeah, this is awesome. And uh, I love that song. Uh, I, I, there's not a show that I can't go in and not do that song because everybody asked for it. And then Daddy Won't Sell the Farm wasn't as big a radio hit, but I remember seeing it on CMT just constantly. Uh, I was watching a lot of CMT back then, and it seemed like every hour it was on there. Oh, yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, it's one of them, uh, it's a farm boy song, even if you live in town. Because everybody knows when you're growing up, uh, you're going to find somewhere there's going to be, we're going to have a field party something, somewhere or something. And it's all everybody, man. You know, it's, uh, it's the country in you, man. And, I, I mean, that's. That's the way it was with, you know, me growing up. And so uh, I, I love that I, I loved that song. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up on a farm. And, uh, you know, I actually couldn't wait to get off of it and couldn't wait to get back to it. But we played music at night, cut early in the daytime, tobacco and hay. And so uh, uh, I got tired of falling out of barns and sticking spears in my jaw, cutting tobacco. And we was like, all right, we're going to just start rehearsing every day and we're going to make we're going to get this done. Well, after Tattoos and, and Scars came out, everybody knew who Montgomery Gentry was, and uh, you finally kind of made some ripples in this uh, vocal duo of the year that seemed to just go to Brooks and Dunn every single year. And then in 2000, you broke the streak. Uh, I think it was eight in a row for Brooks and Dunn before you guys finally took one from them. I, I bet that f felt pretty good. We knocked them off because I tell you what, they uh, they thought up and down, man, is like, you know, Ain't nobody going to beat them. And uh, actually, there was another group that thought that the also that might might win it. It was a female group, and uh, and they told us said, "Well, y'all ain't going to y'all ain't got a chance in hell of winning." And when they called our name, we like to freak out because <laughs> we'd already we'd already built up going like, "Okay, we know we ain't going to win this," you know, because our music was just a little bit, you know, it was it was different, man. It wouldn't I knew it wasn't for everybody, but you know, we know it was like, okay, but we're we're going to be for the people, man, and work, the working class, the people going to school, uh, and the people, you know, it's, uh, uh, we're going to sing about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the party on the weekend. The music was different, but in a good way, and it was well-timed, because as good as Brooks and Dunn is, and, and they are great, they're one of the best, it was nice yes, to just have are. something a little bit different come along, and, and you guys came along at that perfect time. Yeah, man, you know, and it's, uh, uh, like I said, you know, we never called nobody fans. We called them friends. And I I guess that's what we always wanted to sing around. Uh, when you grow up in a honky-tonk, and I hate it for some of the musicians now that don't get to see that, but you got people coming in, man, uh, when we were playing honky-tonk six, seven nights a week, you'd have somebody coming in and want to do a shot because they're celebrating a promotion. Somebody would be coming in and saying, hey, we're getting married, let's do a shot. Some people come in and say, hey, I'm getting divorced, let's do a shot. 
hey, some people come in, oh, I got fired today, or some people be uh, would just got signed up to the military. So we heard our we heard all these stories. So that's what we always sung about. And you know, we had bachelor parties, we'd have uh, bachelorette parties, and all that. So we got to hear all this stuff, and so that's what we always wanted to write about and sing about. And boy, did you have a ton of those. In fact. When She Couldn't Change Me came about, the focal point of that song, the man in that song just reminded me so much of my dad, kind of stubborn, set in his ways. It seemed to me like uh, that might be the kind of guy you were, and I mean that in a good way, like, uh, <laughs> you're not going to change me, I am who I am. Yeah, that's pretty much me right there, man. I'm a, you know, I, I grew up a certain way and was taught a certain way, and, uh, and that's the hell that's the way I'm going to be, man, and uh, I've you know, I, that's the way my granddaddy and my daddy grew up. So, and uh, I, I, I like it. You know, and I, I grew up hard, rough, and tough. And uh, if you want to get something out of this world and this life, just go work your butt off and you'll get there. I have a lot of respect for people like that. Somebody who's not going to waver to fit, you know, how society thinks they should act or how certain people think they should be. I respect it a lot. What about my town, Eddie? Uh, you talk about an anthem for small towns across the country, and then in the music video, you did an awesome job of just highlighting some of those towns, showing water towers from those towns and stuff like that. I think a lot of people just related to that one. I'm telling you, you know, of course, we got to cut that video up here in our hometown, so that was awesome. And, you know, I reckon that's the song that kind of put us over the line, put us over the top, where, uh, you know, people started really knowing who we were when we sang My Town because, you know what, it don't matter whether you're in L.A. or you're in New York or even a small town like where I grew up where, you know, we just got our second stoplight. Now we're somebody. <laughs> you know, it's uh, because you always got them towns outside of L.A. or New York. It's small towns, and, you know, it's where you go to your Walmarts or where you go to your Arby's. And uh, so I knew everybody. I thought everybody would get that because, that's the way everybody feels in their heart, man. It's their town. Even if they leave, they go, man, you know, my town, man, I love it. And, you know, but I had to go somewhere else to work. That same year, Speed came out, and boy, did you sing the hell out of that one. Yeah, man, I tell you, when I cut Speed, uh, I found a song. Uh, we took it into Sony, and they was going like, ah, you don't need to cut that song. So radio ain't going to ever play that song. Said it's not the, it's not country. And I said, man, I'm telling you, it's bluesy enough, but, it's got that country feel, but it's got that, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you call it melodic or what, but it sucks you right in, mm -hmm. pulls you right into that song. And uh, so uh, I still love singing. I do that in every night. I, I tell you, and I even wanted to put horns and stuff on it, and uh, they wouldn't let me do that. <laughs> you had to compromise a little bit then? <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, live, I got a sax on it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you talk about the, the songs that you love to play in honky-tonks and clubs and bars. I bet Hell Yeah is another one that, that goes over pretty well in those. Uh, you know, everybody used to call uh, – and this is the way I've always kind of looked at it. You know, even if – because there's a lot of our heroes that didn't have number one songs, but they were what we call arena anthems yep. you know, or arena rock. And it's where people love the song and they love to sing it. And it's got that chorus where you're going to sing, hell yeah, turn it up, right on. You know, it's, and so you're going to sing that. And, you know, that's another thing I reckon we try to, we just kind of fell into that and, and singing them kind of songs. And, and it's wild, man, because now till, still to this day, I'll have, uh, even young kids go, well, I grew up on your songs, man. And uh, my dad and mom, 
And now I'll be singing the songs out there on stage louder than I am. And I tell you what, there's no feeling like that in the world. I can only imagine what that must be like. And you talk about great songs not necessarily going to number one, but being kind of signature anthems for you guys. You had a lot of those early on. It seemed like it took you a while to build up to that first number one, but then it finally came with If You Ever Stop Loving Me, which Troy is just awesome on. That's one thing that I hope people never forget about him is that he could sing anything. Just an awesome vocalist. Yeah, man. T-Roy sang his butt off on that, man. I tell you, you know, he had that, he had that really, uh, like you said, he didn't get enough credit, I don't think, a lot because his – his vocals, he was kind of like a Greg Ominous, you know, Omen singer, you know, because when he went up there, man, he could, I mean, he could burn it up. And when he got in that range, man, look out, nobody could, uh, I, I, there ain't nobody in country music can sing like him. <laughs> I agree. I really do. I think he was one of the best vocalists in the industry at the time, and not too many people since have been able to match that. I also wanted to ask you about something to be proud of. Of, of course, I've got to ask you about that one. It might be the song of yours that has had the most staying powers, even to this day. It is still getting played on radio. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. It, uh, uh, you know, I, call, I always called it My Town, too. Uh, but uh, that's another song, man, that people, man, when I start singing it, of course, you know, it's a, this is the greatest country in the world. We can say, be, and dream as big as we want to in this great country, and we don't give it up enough for all of our great American heroes. I'm sure you don't have time for me to ask you about every single song, but the number ones would start coming after that. You already talked about Lucky Man, Back When I Knew It All, Roll With Me, and this is kind of a, a stories behind the song type of show. So um, any of the songs that came out after that, anything stand out to you that might have had a story behind it of those songs that came out after 2005? Oh, gosh, man. You know, there's a bunch of them I could go down the list, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's... Uh, I still I still sing them all, man. Right now, uh, uh, shoot, I remember cutting when Charlie Daniels walked in the studio doing all night long. Yeah. I remember that, you know, and it was uh, you know, and I, the late great Charlie Daniels, man. I tell you what, uh, he sure did. He kind of brought us to the game. So, and uh, he was always there, man. Anytime we needed any help, he'd call me. He actually called me a week before he passed away. And uh, uh, I tell you, there was a, uh, it's just a lot. And I reckon that's why we we kind of modeled ourselves after him i guess a little bit man you know because he always believed in a man upstairs and uh you know he was uh you know he was uh he lived life a lot when he was younger and you know and uh he believed in america i think he's probably one of the greatest americans i've ever met in my life and i would have voted for him for president i'm sure glad you said that we're gonna play some charlie daniels band too. mix that in with some montgomery gentry on the show and yeah, he loved this country. This ain't no rag, it's a flag, damn it. One more thing before I let you go. We talked earlier about the musical family that you come from. That has kind of continued on to another generation. Of course, John Michael's son, Walker Montgomery, is in the business. You got a nephew, another nephew, and Dylan Carmichael, who's got some songs out on, on country radio right now. So I'm sure you're c proud of those guys. Oh, I'll tell you what, man. It, uh, you know, it makes you, uh, makes you proud, and then it makes you go like, oh, boy. <laughs> We're getting a little bit older, but uh, you know, I tell you what, man, I, I can't say enough about my mom and dad and stuff, you know, because uh, my dad, uh, he always told me and my brother, man, John Boy, he always said, you know, um, music's the worst drug in the world because there ain't no cure for it. Once it gets in your blood, it's there, and uh, I, I'm so glad to see that uh, my nephews, man, uh, they're walking the dog with it, man, and I, you know what, they're. Uh, 
they're gonna they're gonna kick our butts. <laughs> we will be opening for them. <laughs> they love that. First time I heard Dylan, I thought he was you. Uh, he sound he sounds a lot like you. Do you do you uh, hear that too? <laughs> oh yeah, I think he sings better than I do though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, him and uh, him and Walker both, man. I just can't say enough about him, and I'm I'm so proud to be their uncle, and uh, you know, and of course I. Don't tell them I said that now, because I, you know, I, I like to give them crap all the time. So, <laughs> the more I talk to you, the more you sound like my dad, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that's, uh, you know, I, I, I still give them crap. I talk to them all the time, and uh, I'll text them. And, of course, uh, we got to, we like different teams and, and pro football and stuff like that, and they like to rag on me, so... I got, I got a rag on them. Hell yeah. They can't, they can't have a free pass. That just means you love them. Oh, yeah. We yeah. love them. We'll all get together every once in a while, and uh, we'll do a little grill now or a little have a little cocktail or two. And speaking of love, this year will be five years since we lost Troy. How, how much do you miss him? I mean, I, we all miss him, but I, nobody probably misses him more than his family and you. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Every day. You know, he he kept a big spoon on his bus because he always liked stirring stuff up, you know. <laughs> always loved pulling pranks. Always doing something. And uh, so, you know, you missed that. And I missed it because, you know, we used to get our buses out and stuff. And when we was on the on the road, we'd circle them up, man, like, a, uh, like back in the old days, like they did the wagons. And we'd have like a big shrimp bowl or we'd... I would grill out and, you know, and just have fun, man, and live life. That's what it was all about. We was making music, having having a great time, and living life. And that's uh, that's what everybody. That's why that's why this is America, the greatest country in the world. And we miss him, but you're doing an amazing job, Eddie, of keeping his memory alive. And I, was that something that you set out to do? Was to to make sure that we remembered Troy? It is. Uh, you know, we made a promise to each other way back when. And of course, I ain't. I ain't gonna lie about it. It's over some Jim Bean shots, and we said if either one of us ever go down, we want the other one to keep the MG name going. I made him a promise, and I'm gonna keep that promise. And uh, no matter, you know, it took me, you know, well, four years pretty much to put out this CD, man, because I just, you know, I wasn't ready yet. I was like, well, you know, I just, it ain't, it ain't time. And then uh, somehow or another, man, it, uh, I, I don't know if he just come to me or what, and he's like, it's time. So that's what I started doing. The debut solo release, Eddie Montgomery, Ain't No Closing Me Down, digitally out January 28th, already available now, though, at Walmart. Go and pick it up, and you will not regret it. Eddie Montgomery from Montgomery Gentry has been our guest. And, Eddie, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. This has been fun. Oh, man, thank you so much for taking time for me, man. I appreciate it a bunch.